Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. All right. We'll see. Uh, is that too loud? Is that okay? You might have to turn those knobs on. All right. So uh, we're going to we're going to talk about uh, Christmas today. What a surprise, right? There's a lot of unique things about this time of year. A lot of uh, uh, a lot of parts of the Christmas story that uh, we know so well, um, as as we should. Going to focus a little bit today uh, on one part of that, probably the most miraculous part of that. This phrase, "born of a virgin," born of a virgin. So we're going to talk about this in terms of uh, prophecy, in terms of um, uh, the history of, of, of how we uh, came to know uh, what we know about this. Uh, going to talk a little bit about the theology of this and what, um, uh, the, what foundation it, it lays for, for a lot of things that you might not think about. And then we're going to talk, and this is something I want you to start thinking about now, what difference does it make to us now that Jesus was born of a virgin? And hopefully things will start to come into your mind uh, about that. So, one of the most famous passages um, that talks about this is in Isaiah. We talked about this when we were in Isaiah. Uh, so if you'll turn to Isaiah chapter 7. We'll pick up uh, probably around verse... 10 or so. If you think back, Isaiah was a uh, prophecy uh, about uh, trying to get people to get their act together. and uh, There's so many things, but there was prophecy about the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. They were, they were going to be captured. And um, the day was coming when that was going to happen. And so the context of, of Isaiah 7 is, uh, you can pick up all the way back to verse 1 if you want, but Isaiah gets sent to King Ahaz to give a message. And uh, the context is that Syria and Israel were going to invade the kingdom of Judah. And this was of great concern to King Ahaz. Um, and Isaiah comes to the king to give a message. So if you look in verse 10, it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. In other words, you can ask anything. But Ahaz says, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. This kind of re reminded me of some of the word games that uh, Satan had with Jesus when he was tempted because it sounds like Ahaz is giving quite the pious answer but it's really saying I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to interact with God this way I don't want to you know it's, it was a rejection of the offer you know if God comes to you and says ask me for a sign and if this happens to you any of you I would suggest asking for a sign um, that would probably be the, the proper response. But he says, no, I'm not going to ask. Verse 13, he's, 
And then he said this, uh, back to Isaiah, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. In other words, if you're not going to ask for a sign, I'm still going to give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. And it goes on uh, about the significance of this sign and, and what it will mean uh, to this king. And as we talked before, as often is the case in prophecy, there was a, a dual meaning and a dual fulfillment of this prophecy. Um, there's a, what's happening is the Assyrians are going to invade and basically before this child is old enough to know right from wrong and people debate on when that is but certainly probably before the age of 12 before that happens King Ahaz isn't going to have to worry about this very much because uh, it, the whole invasion thing is going to come to pass. It's going to happen. So there was an immediate fulfillment. There was a son born. Some people think that Isaiah's first wife passed away and that um, he w was in the betrothal phase for getting remarried and um, that this son that was going to be called Emmanuel was Isaiah's son. Um, being born to a prophet, the king would have known about it. Uh, it would have been a constant reminder of what was going to happen. So there was an immediate fulfillment of this prophecy. But we find later in scripture that there was, was going to be a, another fulfillment of this prophecy. And we'll look at that when we go to Isaiah. Uh, I'm sorry, to uh, Matthew. But there's actually a hint of what's going to happen all the way back in Genesis. So let's go back a little further to Genesis all the way to chapter 3. If you have a, a kind of a thumbnail knowledge of the first few chapters of Genesis, and that's probably not a bad thing to have, the, the first chapter is the creation second chapter finishes that and then we we hear about Adam and we hear about Eve chapter 3 is all about the fall right that's when you know and we we still live under that curse but we find out what the curse is beginning in verse 14 the Lord God said to the serpent now, we know this wasn't an ordinary serpent, right? Um, if we extend this to Satan, which is a valid extension, um, where I come from, the snakes don't speak. Uh, they don't have knowledge of God. They don't, you know, so this is no ordinary serpent, of course. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock, above all the beasts of the field, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Being bruised on the heel 
is no fun. Being bruised on the head is deadly. The bruising on the head is superior to any uh, negative influence that might come from uh, nipping at the heel. But in verse 15, we have what some of the scholars call the proto-evangelion. What's evangelism? Good news. Proto means first, like a prototype. It's the very first invention you put together. The proto-evangelion, the, the earliest gospel, just a, just a hint of the gospel. And the gospel is her offspring is going to bruise your head. It was unusual to talk about lineage in terms of the woman. It was typically always thought of as from the man. Now, obviously that doesn't necessarily make sense when you think about it, but, but that was, that was the, the tradition and the pattern. Uh, and certainly as Moses was writing this, inspired of the Holy Spirit, that was, um, it was all about the, the lineage. And as, as you go through Genesis and so forth, and we look at these lineages and who beget who, um, it follows the course of, of the, the male person in the family. But here we have, it's going to be the woman's offspring. So here we have a hint, something different in the phrasing here that it's offspring of a woman. And we know that as we can look backwards with maybe more clarity that Jesus' birth was different. It was all about the virgin birth. So let's go over to Matthew chapter 1. The meat of the story is in verse 18, but we'll go back because you'll remember that both Luke and Matthew start with a genealogy. Um, they're arranged um, in groups of 14, um, some people think of as a, as a memory device. Uh, there are a few generations that are left out here and there, but um, as a memory device. But if you look down to verse 15, we have, And Eliad, the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar, the father of Mathan, and Mathan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Again, the phrasing changes there to indicate this wasn't, this was different. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born. This is the, the woman is, is mentioned there, Mary, of whom Jesus is born, who had called Christ. To kind of, just a little subtle distinction there that this genealogy is a little bit different. So now to verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sin. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And he quotes Isaiah, verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. In Isaiah's day, and even subsequent to Isaiah's day, that prophecy to King Ahaz was not seen as a messianic prophecy. Some prophecies about the Messiah were recognized. We know the passage from Micah about being born in Bethlehem, right? So we know, you know, the wise men knew of that. But this prophecy back in Isaiah wasn't seen at the time to be speaking of Jesus, but but Matthew and I don't know how it came, but in Matthew's gospel, he puts it all together. And it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. There's two phrases here that talk about just the, the significance of this. Um, there's phrasing that you've, you've seen in scripture where it says, as the prophets told, right? This little lead-in <clears throat> phrase. But this kind of doubles down on that and says, all this took place to fulfill what the prophets told. So this was very significant to Matthew. So there are people who would say that this passage is not, is not true. I would say, yeah, you know, the gospel writers just tried to make sense of something. Um, they tried to make it more than it was. Um, Jesus was born the same way all other children have been born. Um, there are people who would try to put this down. But if you, if you believe that the Bible is God's word, then you have to Except what it says. I'm going to turn this off. There's prophecy, which in this case we see more in hindsight. There's the history of this. Let's go to some of the theology of it. So, The best little argument, which I think is easy to see, about why did Jesus have to be born as a virgin? I guess we, we know the, the elements of this, right? We know that sin came into the world and it's attributed to Adam. Uh, we know that Jesus was sinless. So one important aspect of the virgin birth is that that interrupts that line of the sinful nature from Adam. So, so that's kind of one ramification of that, that 
kind of fits in with how Jesus was able to be um, uh, sinless. Now, some people have thought about this. Well, does that mean that sin couldn't have been transferred by Mary? Well, sometimes when the Bible is silent about things, um, you just should just accept that and not speculate. But, of course, we're prone to speculate. Um, one of the uh, kind of ways around this, so to speak, um, that our Catholic friends have, have uh, done is to say, well, well, Mary was sinless too. Well, no, Mary wasn't sinless, but this concept of the immaculate conception that she was, she was sinless. Some people take the extreme and say she never sinned before or after the birth. Some people say she was never even married and never had any other children. We, we, scripture, of course, we know that's not true. Jesus had brothers, and we know that Joseph and Mary. Uh, marriage was consummated after the birth just like any other marriage so um, so we have this this thought of why did why was it necessary for the virgin birth well it interrupted the the line of of sin but one commentator I thought put it best and said well how else could it have happened so if you if you Accept the notion that that the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, was going to be on earth. It could have happened where God just could have put him on earth. Let me read this. It's, it's really interesting. It probably would have been possible for God to create Jesus as a complete human being in heaven and sent him to descend from heaven to earth without the benefit of any human parent. True, God could have done it. But then it would have been very hard for us to see how Jesus could be fully human as we are, nor would he really be part of the human race that physically descended from Adam. So the virgin birth kind of takes care of that, right? If, if Jesus shows up fully formed as a human, We don't picture him growing up. We don't picture him um, talking in the temple. We don't picture him in his dad's wood shop. We don't picture him um, being tempted. We don't picture him as human. It says, on the other hand, it probably would have been possible for God to have Jesus come into the world with two human parents, a father and a mother, with his full divine nature miraculously united to his human nature at some point early in his life. But then it would have been hard for us to understand how Jesus was fully God, since his origin would have been like ours in every other way. We know today, how, how do we feel about people who claim they're God, right? Through whatever delusion they might have. We don't really buy that, right? There was nothing special about their birth. So the fact that Jesus came and was born of a virgin, it really settles a lot of those questions. It just 
it may not have been the solution that we would have come up with but it makes sense it makes sense we can talk about you know the original sin and so forth more but this concept that and I guess we can go briefly over to Luke chapter 2 Let's see. Or maybe even back to Luke chapter 1, I'm sorry. Verse 35, as the angel is speaking to Mary, says, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. How else through the verge, except by interrupting that sinful line, can this child be called holy the way we think of holy? Born of a virgin. So I wanted to spend most of our time thinking about what does this mean for us? We have the virgin birth being considered all the way back to Genesis. We have it in the prophecy of Isaiah. We have Matthew putting it all together for us to say this is why Jesus was born of a virgin. What difference does that make to us now? What does it say about us? What does it say about God? That Jesus was born of a virgin. This is where you raise your hand. I'll get us started. The virgin birth and the necessity of it, one thing it does, it reminds us that we have that sinful nature, right? Unlike Jesus, we do have a sinful nature. We have a sin problem. All of us have a sin problem. Uh, what does Romans say? How many have sinned? All. All have sinned. When we think of the virgin birth, it, one of the reasons for the virgin birth was that there was a sin problem that God had to make a distinction. Jesus is not in that line. But we are. So as you think about Christmas and as you think about the virgin birth and you think about all of the people who celebrate uh, the holiday for just party reasons, not for religious reasons, um, that would be a good point to make, right? The virgin birth does something else. It really sharpens the distinctives between Orthodox Christianity rooted in real history, rooted in the, the most vetted, most authenticated ancient book there is, right? There is no other book that has more 
support for it in archaeology or linguistics or anything. But in spite of that, there are people who would want to reframe the story. So if you say you believe born of a virgin, then you've staked out some territory there, then some people aren't going to want to stand there next to you. Um, there are liberal theologians who would claim to follow the Bible who that's just too much for them to swallow. It says that we value Scripture, right? If you say you believe in the virgin birth, well, why would you do that? Well, because what is the Bible? It is God revealing himself to us, right? We wouldn't have the Bible if God had not done that. It's inspired and written by the Holy Spirit. The, the only reason we know about this is because God felt it was an important detail for us to know. So if we say we believe in the virgin birth, it says we believe in Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to stand firmly on that. It says that we'd rather believe this than skeptics who might toss a few arguments at Scripture, maybe would want to make us doubt things in Scripture. But like I said, just because maybe all our questions aren't answered, the fact that we have what we do should tell us that enough of our questions can be answered. So it says a lot about what we think about scripture the virgin birth tells us about God in the sense that we have a God that keeps his promises I don't know timeline when Genesis was but we know from the prior to the creation of the world God knew that this would happen God keeps his promises we're going we're gonna to be looking at Genesis and Exodus. The whole story of redeeming God's people. God still redeeming his people. How did it happen? The Passover lamb. How do we get the Passover lamb? Jesus had to be actually born. That's how it happened. It shows God keeps his promises. We have a Passover lamb. We have a risen Savior. And what does Hebrews tell us? We also have a merciful high priest. So before history, in history, present, now, and our future, it all had to, it all had to be realized at some point. Start with the virgin birth. Emmanuel means God with us. The virgin birth tells us God wants to be with us through Jesus. That's It's probably not the time to debate this whole concept of whether America is a Christian nation or not, but many of the founders of America were actually deists, right? You know, the concept of a deist is the view of a God who created the world and the, the um, what a similar metaphor, somebody help me. But the concept was God creates it, winds it up like a clock, 
and lets it run out however it's going to run out hands off is that a God that wants to be with us no that's not the God that is detached this says we don't worship a God who's far away some just set us into motion and walked off we worship a God who wants to be with us who came to be with us The virgin birth proves that God is a God of miracles, right? What's, what do you know about Thomas Jefferson and his Bible? He went through and cut out all the miracles. He, he cut them out. Miracles did not belong in his Bible. If you believe in the virgin birth, you believe in a God of miracles. We believe in a God who is fully capable of creating solutions to problems that we wouldn't have thought of and we can't bring about. So if you believe in the virgin birth, you can approach our merciful high priest himself a miracle at least from our perspective knowing that he knows our problems and he can figure it out has already figured it out that's the God that we can approach because we believe he was born of a virgin if, if God can pull that off I think he could handle my stuff I think he can. And if you don't think he can, then that's like a weird sort of pride, right? If you think that, well, yeah, he could do virgin birth and all that, but he can't handle my stuff. But that's kind of what how we get it backwards, right? We, and I'm speaking from experience here. All right, one last one last thing that as I was thinking about this. The virgin birth, to me, reminds me that this true story, this true account of Jesus being with us, it had an actual starting point in history. Do we know the exact date we could probably get close is it in the winter probably not is it December 5th 25th probably not but there was a starting point for his journey in in life in on this earth so it made me think this is a mystery and is it, would it be an oxymoron to say an obvious mystery? We were, like Jesus, born when we were supposed to be born. Jesus came into history at just the right time for God's purposes. Is it so far a stretch to think that each of us were born at the right time for God's purposes? Is that too much of a stretch?
Jesus came. We know there was a plan for him. We know he grew. We know he, for 90% of his life, think about this, for 90% of his life, he was mostly like us. He got taught. He got trained. He went to school. He apprenticed. He got good at what he did. He showed up to work every day. He probably kept a clean shop. <laughs> Just thinking. <laughs> right? For 90% of his time, he was working a job. It made me think there was a, an, interesting, an interesting book talking about um, people's purpose after retirement. And it lists, I'll have to find this book, it lists all the people who are kind of known for what they're known for, whatever their big contribution to the world was. And in most of them, it happened in their 70s and 80s. That last part, right? I know for, sometimes we say it's not how you start, how you finish. Um, but Every good finish had a great start. Born of a virgin. Jesus came right when he was supposed to come to do exactly what he was supposed to do for the purpose for us, to be with us. Born of a virgin. If you believe it, it says a lot about you. If you believe it and stake your claim on it, I venture to say you're on a pretty small island with some very lovely looking people, but compared to the rest of the world, not the majority. You can't be on that island if you also believe in the God of Islam or the God of the Latter-day Saints or the God of Jehovah's Witnesses, that's a, different, that's a different crew. The virgin birth says a lot about our faith, about our belief. So as you think about that, born of a virgin, start to think, what does that mean for me? All right, we better quit. Any thoughts, comments? Yeah, or, yes, sir. Um, you know, sticks with me. And in Isaiah, he, he prophesied the birth and the crucifixion. Yep. And it was written 700 years before Christ was born. Yep. Just away. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah, I would like to say that I think God made it miraculous uh, doing that that nobody else could ever do. And it's just a Jesus hadn't been born as a virgin. It did give the last solidity to uh, the Muslims to say he's just a common man because he was just a prophet. An uncommon birth for an uncommon God, obviously. All right. Father, we thank you so much for your great plan across time 
and before time. You were thinking of us, you were thinking of Jesus and how he could become with us. We thank you for uh, this season when we can celebrate uh, Jesus' birth. It makes us remember why he came. And Jesus, where you are now, we thank you that we can approach you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the inspiration and the revelation that we have before us. And it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.